Welcome to the Beauty Insider Podcast. My name is Baldwin Burgess, and in this show, with its short episodes, I want to show you how you can use simple technology to stand out in a crowded, noisy, and distracting world, make better human connections, and attract more business. Let's get straight into it. Today I want to talk about a new special report that I just published, which I called, well, it's kind of a cheeky title, but I called it, Will Artificial Intelligence Steal Your Job? It's looking for a title that would catch people's attention because I think it's an important topic and it, you know, it usually just gets glossed over. I think it's probably as important as climate change, really, because it's, it really poses a threat to our existence and to our future. But what this report really is, is I'm not really an expert, I'm not an expert in artificial intelligence. What I did is I just collected the views of some of the most prominent thinkers in this space. And so, you know, the way I'd like to position this report is that it's a reality check on artificial intelligence and how it affects our professional futures. But before I get into it, I'd like to tell you a little bit more about why I'm doing this. Well, in my work, I, I increasingly and continuously focus on four megatrends that I believe are really transforming the way we do business. I spend most of my time researching these realms and and this really mostly consists of collecting and processing and putting into perspective the knowledge and ideas that I get from people who are on the cutting edge of these movements. Uh, this is my this is the kind of fun that I like to have, and you can probably imagine that I spend long hours uh, reading and taking courses and watching lots of videos. And I still have to pinch myself that it is actually possible to listen to what the best minds in the world have to say, to do this on demand, and without even having to leave the comfort of my home. I mean, for me, this is really amazing. Uh, you know, you can watch conversations, hour-long conversations with the smartest people in the world on YouTube, as if you're sitting there with them in the conversation. I find that amazing. And the reason why I do all this is not only because I have this, uh, you know, huge curiosity and which I need to satisfy, but it also helps me figure out what will most affect the future of today's professional. And because that's the business I'm in, um, it allows me to better understand what training programs I should be teaching. And, and you know, my training programs are a bit, uh, um, let's say, futuristic or, or a little bit uh, maybe esoteric, but, and, and they're not for everyone. But those who, who do get the most value out of these programs are those professionals who understand that we live in a world of accelerating innovation and uh, they understand that it really matters to stay ahead of the curve. They, they know that they need to update their skills and their outlook on how to leverage technology in an increasingly crowded and hyper-connected world that we live in. So it, it's, it's a fast world and you know how fast can you develop your skills in order to stay ahead of it? That's really what it's all about. So. But let me tell you a little bit more about those four megatrends that I mentioned before. Well, first of all, there's the global super connectivity. And that's when, you know, the, the, the doubling of today's online population. From over 3 billion, today it's about 3.3 billion to 6 billion people in a matter of a few years. In fact, I think it will happen in the next five years. And this is the largest human mobilization that we've ever seen. And that also makes it the biggest business opportunity 
for those who care to find ways to scale up individual human connections through technology. This is a big one. Another big one is virtual reality. And I don't think we yet fully realize how virtual reality will completely change the world as we see it. And, you know, I say that deliberately because it's a pun intended. Uh, but this is also a trend that is happening right now. 2016 uh, is the year in which we're, we're seeing all these devices coming online. So the impact of virtual reality on the world is pretty much like a flock of black swans coming down the creek. And what I mean with that is that VR will disrupt almost every industry as we know it. The most obvious transformations will obviously take place in the world of travel and real estate and entertainment. But it is still very difficult to imagine exactly what the impact is going to be from our ability to virtualize and edit the world we live in. That's what I find so fascinating. Then there's a data-driven world. This is commonly spoken about. It's um, the game changer that is best understood, at least from my perspective, uh, because you hear the terms big data and the Internet of Things uh, come up all the time as these have become buzzwords right now. Uh, and what I find interesting about this trend is that it will uh, change the way we we look at experience and skills. So because it will devalue our acquired knowledge, our intuition, and it will devalue um, how we look at uh, the importance of professional experience. This ruffles a lot of feathers because our world is a merit, meritocratic world. It's, you know, you, you study, you get degrees and things like that. Frankly, they're going to become increasingly worthless because uh, what really is going to matter to be successful uh, is, you know, how agile you are in getting access to the real-time information to make the right decisions and, and build the right products and services. So, in other words, our opinions will not matter that much in a super factual world. But what does matter is how we can access, learn from, and act on real-time data. And then finally, artificial intelligence. And I have a feeling like this is probably the most powerful of the four megatrends. Uh, because it's, uh, it's, it's a huge uh, transformation. It's, it's about our future, it's about our existence. It's, it's uh, in, I think, in seriousness, it's in the same category as climate change. And it, because it's something that um, we have also created. And it's possibly going to be a Frankenstein, something that we built and not sure if we can keep control of. And because it is such a critical development, I, 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 thought, it would make, I, I, I thought it would make sense to start here with uh, my deeper dive into the four trends and to do a reality check on what is really going on in this space. So to help you make more sense of where artificial, artificial intelligence currently stands and where it will be taking us in the near future, I put together a special report so you can join me in this discovery. Now let's get into that. So as we said, artificial intelligence is disrupting almost any occupation we can think of. This is a, uh, this is going to be a pure struggle uh, of man versus a machine. And the thing is, what I notice is I don't think a lot of I think most people don't uh, want to think about 
uh, artificial intelligence too much because it has this um, uh, it's a topic that is as fascinating as it is terrifying and what I mean by that is that the reason why most of us prefer to shun it is because it probably has very much to do with the fact that it threatens our existence and ever since I started looking closer at artificial intelligence the things I was learning or, and the, or the things I was consuming and reading were absolutely crazy um, and the, the deeper I go into this topic the crazier it gets the thing is this is not some sort of a woo-woo or some sort of a freak show for nerds um, in fact what I'm starting to realize is that uh, this is the top priority and, and conversation topic for some of the most powerful players in the world as well as uh, you know the, the most prominent businesses and I'm speaking about the, the, the tech giants like Google Facebook and Amazon uh, they are literally obsessed with uh, how to harness artificial intelligence uh, we're also seeing this happening in financial services I mean any any major player in an in industry is looking at this so it, it may seem some like something that uh, people will roll their eyes at or frown about when you bring it up uh, socially but I can tell you that in the most um, in the most powerful boardrooms uh, artificial intelligence is definitely something that is uh, that people are striving to control or at least to get a a head in because it's you know it, it is a superpower if you can harness it um, and I guess we're all, and the reason, one of the reasons also why we don't like to talk about this publicly and socially is because it uh, we're we're afraid of it because we all know that it can have quite an impact, not in our favor, on the employment market. Uh, but the thing is, when people finally wake up to the reality that artificial intelligence is taking food off their tables, it will probably already be too late. It's it's a bit like climate change again. It's like you know you. We, we all talk about it, worry about it, complain about it, but you know nobody's really individually taking any action about it. And when all of a sudden you notice that you know, the climate has changed, then it's too late when all those coastal cities have been starting to flood and you didn't pay any attention to the people who said you should go live at a higher altitude. Well, you know, people who, who don't really try to understand what's, what's, what artificial intelligence is all about, where it's going, they could have quite a rude awakening uh, when it starts really affecting them. Um, what really cut this is so this is April 2016. And what happened in the beginning of this month is something I think which is a big milestone. Uh, that's because a flock of automated trucks just drove through Europe uh, from different places and they met up in Rotterdam. And this is hugely significant because I mean, one of the Let's say canaries in the coal mine, I guess, of employment for artificial intelligence are going to be the truckers and the, the, the millions of people who are in transport. Uh, that is an industry that is begging to be disrupted by automation. Not only because it's, it's safer to have an, you know, an algorithm drive a, a big truck like this, but also it's, um, for the obvious reason, it's also more economical uh, to automate this. But before we continue, I think it might be a good idea to have a look at, you know, where artificial intelligence is right now and exactly where it's going. Let's have a look at a map. So my research efforts really took a giant leap when I stumbled across the roads to super intelligence 
by a guy called Tim Urban. I mean, his uh, his insights on and, and if he writes these very long blog posts, and he has an amazing website which is called WaitButWhy.com. Uh, and his take on on the evolution of artificial intelligence really helped me shape my thoughts. So, a lot of what I'm what I'm saying here has been entirely inspired by Tim Urban. Just wanted to to make sure you understand that. Um, it, it helped me structure this report in the form it has today. And I guess he and others categorize the evolution of artificial intelligence in three main stages of evolution. And that is now current. The current stage is narrow intelligence. It will go to general intelligence and super intelligence. I'll explain in more detail what these mean. Um, but first of all, uh, when we think about artificial intelligence, we're biased by what we see in the movies. We often associate artificial intelligence with stories like Terminator, Space Odyssey 2001, the movie Her, Ex Machina, and all these other scripts where um, either AI is anthropomorphized, which is taking on a human form, or it's cast as an outright evil force. Now, I'm not saying that uh, AI will be, be a positive power. We don't know. We're worried about the fact that it just may not be like that. Get into more detail about that later as well. But um, because that idea of artificial intelligence is still very much linked to the movies, uh, we think about it as something that still belongs to the world of fiction. And maybe that's also why we don't really want to think about it as if it's something that's happening in the real world. Uh, I know I'm not speaking for everybody, but generally when I bring up the topic, uh, people sort of, um, the, the people don't always react uh, in a way that feels like they want to stay in the conversation. Uh, so, the, so despite the fact that the world's business elite is, is obsessing over artificial intelligence, most of us still think of it as a subject that shouldn't be taken all that seriously. Uh, but the thing is, if you use a computer or have a smartphone without even realizing it, you are already using AI all day long, okay? So, I, let's see, um, art, artificial narrow intelligence is as we know it today. This is, this is not new, it's been going on for some time. So, uh, this is being used by social networks like Facebook and LinkedIn uh, and other networks, they use artificial intelligence to record and map your behavior and your preferences so they can connect you with content and advertising that relates specifically to you. Makes sense, right? For people to spend money on their advertising um, capabilities, they want to make sure that they can connect those people with the right people so they actually get something out of it so they will spend more dollars. There's a there's a total, very clear and uh, uh, a win-win balanced uh, business situation to be achieved there. Boy, I was struggling to, to find a way to say that. But Or when you book your airplane tickets or look for um, hotels, again, this is artificial intelligence. These are narrow artificial intelligence algorithms that go to work in the background. Um, these are very clearly programmed single-task algorithms that can do a lot of uh, repetitive work, or at least work that requires a specific pattern or has a process. So anything with a process uh, can be automated. Uh, 
we're seeing this in finance. I mean, most a, a large part of the financial markets are being traded by algorithms like this. We're seeing it in a, in almost any industry right now. To the point that today you can even have a rudimentary conversation with your smartphone. So if you have a, an iPhone, it's Siri, or you have an Android, you can talk to that thing. And that thing, you may have noticed, is getting increasingly uh, better at understanding what you want. So this is an algorithm that is growing. Um, so artificial neurointelligence can seem deceivingly sophisticated. It seems capable of operating advanced trading systems and playing chess like a champion. But the thing is, if you ask it to make a, a creative decision, uh, it's just going to stare back at you. It's, it's, it's not there yet. So simply put, uh, artificial narrow intelligence is the kind of artificial intelligence that we can still control. We can switch it on or off. But now we're moving into a new realm. And, that, uh, and the debate is out whether we've crossed the threshold or we're crossing it or we're about to cross it. Um, my opinion is that we've crossed it and we're on our way. I'll tell you why. And this is... Um, Artificial Intelligence 2.0, also known as Artificial General Intelligence. And this is the next step in Artificial Intelligence evolution uh, because this is where an algorithm becomes as smart as a human across the board, right? In other words, this is an AI that can compete with humans and replace them because apart from being able to, to, uh, uh, to work many times faster without pause, it will also reason, plan, it will solve problems, it will even think abstractly, understand complex ideas, and so on and so on. So this is really an artificial version of uh, what a human can do. And so therefore, artificial general intelligence is something that we can seriously start worrying about. So over the past 20 years, artificial intelligence has beaten world uh, chess champions and it's won against the best Jeopardy players. On, that's a famous TV show, a TV contest, better said. Uh, and it's helped us um, make better and more med accurate medical diagnoses. Just a few examples. But these were all achievements that still fell under the, the, the narrow intelligence. And the reason why I think we've crossed the threshold right now is because uh, Google has, has recently acquired this company called DeepMind. And this is where they use, artif this is probably one of the first versions of general intelligence where this is an algorithm that teaches itself and learns from that. So where it became pretty obvious is where uh, this deep mind algorithm took on a a chess player uh, sorry a go player a go is one of the is an ancient board game from asia and it's considered to be far more complex than chess because it has a lot more possible moves so um, we weren't really sure if uh, this, the, you know an intelligence that can that can ex that can that can win at chess or um, when a Jeopardy was also going to be capable of playing this highly complex game. And so what happened is um, it consistently beat uh, the champions it faced. And the big difference here is that instead of, you know, as was done previously, you would upload a full library of plays. This machine not only did that, but it also started playing against itself and thereby learning new moves. So what happened is these champions were faced with a, an artificial intelligence that was getting very creative about how to play the game and came up with new strategies and new moves that were never seen before. So 
I guess that's why I think it's an example of an, uh, of an AI that has started to cross that threshold that allows it to learn and improve itself. And this brings a very uncomfortable question. Um, so artificial general, general intelligence is where uh, an artificial, where a machine can be as, as good as a human across the board, right? So it's, it's, this is where we're on, a pl uh, we're on a level playing field in a way right now. So when given the choice between having to support a human knowledge worker, you know, this is somebody who has a personal life, uh, works only a, a finite hour, number of hours a day, wants to go on holidays, needs to sleep, it needs to eat, uh, and runs on a complex human psychology uh, full of emotions. Well, most of our psychology is about emotions. It's all about emotions. Um, in fact, people are really not rational if you look at it from a, an objective perspective, if we can. If you have the choice between giving work to someone like that or handing it over to an AGI that never stops working and operates at a pace that humans will never achieve, uh, will it be more tempting to do that? Will it be more tempting to um, hand over knowledge work to machines and people? Well, I think you can hint at the answer because <laughs> I, I, the way I see it is that we already have enough evidence in aggregate, right? That big businesses really don't care about the overall well-being of society. So they know if, if they would care, we probably wouldn't be burning fossil fuels anymore uh, or we'd be more careful with uh, the way we handle the capital. I mean, it, it's very clear that we don't, businesses, large corporations do not have the the well-being of, of the society at, in, in their mind. So uh, I'm afraid that um, more increasingly more knowledge work is being handed out to the machine. But in the short term, there's actually some good news. And that is that despite the fact that artificial general intelligence eventually risks becoming an outright competitor to humans, in the near term, it might just become the best thing that happened to us. And the reason for that is because um, there is a potential for a symbiosis between us and the AGIs. Uh, it's quite possible that during the upcoming AGI era, we may be entering into a sort of extended holiday. Uh, and what I mean with that is like this is a time where humans delegate most of the hard work to our digital friends and you know, see friends. And uh, I'm, I'm making air quotes as I say friends. Uh, while well, we just you know hang out and enjoy life. So in other words, the AGI may at first turn out to be um, the, the 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 AGI era may turn out to be the the golden age of leisure, and then again it will probably also be the devious marketing strategy that an AGI would uh, would would put in front of us, so we would adopt it. You know, so th th this is where it gets um this this is where it might be a bit of a trap. Um, and but by the time that we realize the con, uh, we may already have become much too mediocre for the AGI to continue to consider us as partners. And the biggest question that is troubling many of us is what will happen when the AGI leaves us behind and goes on to continue evolving exponentially. And that takes us to the next stage. And this is what we're all terrified about, those who are thinking about this space. And that's super intelligence. Now, how far away is superintelligence? There's a big debate. I'll get into that later. But first of all, uh, I want to um, 
quote an Oxford philosopher and leading artificial intelligence thinker called Nick Bostrom, and he defines superintelligence as follows. It's an intellect that is much smarter than the human brains in practically every field, uh, including scientific creativity, general wisdom, and social skills. And so if you're hearing this right, this is a um, social skills is they could be better th than us in social skills. And this is kind of terrifying because that was the remit that we held on to. Uh, you know, it's about the, the human connection and, and artificial intelligence don't mix. Well, this, is ac this actually may change. Now, he also believes that within this century, artificial intelligence could become as smart as a human being. And then he says it will probably overtake us. Um, he dramatically quotes that machine intelligence is the last invention that humanity will ever need to make. I have a video of his TED talk on, on the report. You may want to see that. It's quite interesting. Um, the thing is, general intelligence, so artificial general intelligence and artificial super intelligence, more even so, are going to put our biggest human defect into play. And that is our linear thinking. And... You know, this is this is a this is not this is a problem that's becoming increasingly obvious. So, you've heard probably heard of Moore's law, where you know processing power doubles every eighteen months. And that's been a reality for technology across the board. So, us humans, we evolve step by step. It's linear. Our progression is linear. That's the way we think. For some reason, it's it's just the way we're built. But the technology we created evolves at an exponential rate. So. It means that we are stuck in a much slower linear progression. And there's a guy that I also quite closely follow called Peter Diamandis, who's arguably more optimistic about artificial intelligence than, than other thinkers. But uh, I like the way he puts this in perspective. So if you take 30 linear steps, it would allow you to cross a street. But take 30 exponential steps, and it will take you around the world 14 times or twice or back and forth to the moon. And again, I have another video on the report that has him speak about that. It's quite fascinating. But um, the exponential nature of artificial intelligence evolution will probably leave us far behind. So at first, artificial superintelligence will be twice as smart as humans, then four times, and soon after that, 16 times, and so on and so on, until we really become diminished by it. And before you know it, humans will seem like monkeys uh, due to us today. Uh, so to AI, humans will seem like monkeys seem to us today. And this comparison kind of matters because there was a time when humans and monkeys played in the same league. But the big question is, will this super intelligence treat us in the same way as we treat monkeys? Okay, so this is something that I need you to think about. And now you're thinking, okay, this is interesting, Baldwin. But this stuff is still far away in the future, right? We shouldn't really worry about it. Well, there's a big debate about when this is going to become a reality. And the medium of a, on a survey of hundreds of scientists places that moment somewhere in 2040. That is only 24 years from now. So it's definitely something real for your kids. And it's probably real for you as well. The thing is, because it's a median, it also means that there's a reasonable possibility that it could, much, it could happen much sooner than that obviously also later, but the, the possibility of it happening sooner than that is a double-digit percentage. It's real. I mean, it can, this could happen in, in 10 to 15 years at the extreme, but it could happen.
uh, remember we're traveling to a space that we don't really know very well and this is where if there's one video that you should watch on my report then it's the one by tim urban and the road to superintelligence it's kind of long it's a one hour long but it's really worth everything uh it's really worth your time believe me it's going to give you something to think about and to work with um good so obviously artificial intelligence is an extremely polarizing topic because some of the the world's brightest minds are worried about this and, the, and stephen hawking is extremely vocal about it because he thinks artificial intelligence will just undo us and the reason why is because when they start surpassing us there's going to be a struggle for power and, and that obviously is going to lead to not such good things and elon musk uh you know the real life iron man has also continuously been saying that it's like summoning the devil and and he's he's very worried about you know that if we if we lose control of this it, it could really um again undo us so you know voices that have something to say that we should listen to there's a chapter that i titled here comes the flood because it's sort of like how i feel about it and and, it, and this is where you as a professional and me you need to factor the outlook for artificial intelligence into the decisions we make uh, for our lives and our professional careers. And now, of course, you can just dismiss it as something that only futurist freaks like to talk about uh, and just decide to get on with more current and mundane things in your life right now. But again, for the unprepared, you know, it will feel very much like smashing into a brick wall when it suddenly becomes obvious that a non-human professional will start running circles around you. Um, and, I, and I mentioned this thing about climate change and, 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 and flooding. And it's the same thing because we're sort of like contemplating it. We're very um, passive about it. But when it happens, it's going to be too late. And the same is going to happen here. So um, again, those who do not who are not really on top of this theme are going to be in for a very rude awakening. It's not going to be nice. Uh, and, I, and I insist, I mean, if you, you can't just count on others to solve this one for you, because, I mean, we've seen that, in, you know, institutions in our world uh, are really, they don't really care about the well-being of the collective, really. I mean, so it's really, this one is really on you. So, uh, I urge you to really spend some time on this and, and try to make it part of something that you're trying to continue to understand. Because, I mean, it's not like we're doomed and hope is not lost because there is a playbook for your future. And, and it, uh, it's not entirely clear how this whole game will play out, but there are a few things right now that we can do that will make um, us, uh, you know, stay ahead or at least remain competent in this kind of world, right? So the first, the first is the first piece of advice. I have, I have two pieces of advice. I've been thinking about these for for some time, but there's, there's two things that I think we can do to stay ahead. And that is the first one is that uh, we have to accept that guessing is no longer a viable strategy, right? What I mean with this is like the this, the combination of hyperconnectivity and artificial intelligence provides us with more factual information than we can possibly handle. And I know this is tough to swallow, but the best service you can do yourself right now is to start accepting that you need to stop guessing, assuming things, and to a certain extent, stop relying on your own experience. Because to get ahead, you're going to have to adopt a new mindset that is very different from what we were taught in school. Because it squarely challenges the status quo. 
of how we have been working until now. And to take this point further, I added an insight from the McKinsey Institute, which is actually already three years old. And it's an interesting piece that they titled Artificial Intelligence Meets the C-Suite. And this is, I'm going to lift the quote just so you can listen to what this is all about, but from this piece of work. And it says, and so it must be asked, can software substitute for the responsibilities of senior managers in their roles at the top of today's biggest corporations? On some activities, particularly when it comes to finding answers to problems, software already surpasses even the best managers. Knowing whether to assert your own expertise or to step out of the way is fast becoming a critical executive skill. Now that paragraph says it all. Now if you think beyond artificial intelligence, uh, there's another thing that we haven't really covered so far, but that is the fact that there's, we are now in a world where there's billions of people and, or billions of brains connected to each other. And so that is also something that it plays a part because we have, on the one hand, we have an artificial intelligence capability to make sense out of all these brains. So if the, the biggest thing that we should obsess about is how can we access all this information? How can we access this collective intelligence? Because if we can find a way to connect all our brains and, and actually use that in a, in a feasible way, um, we just, um, if we could like build a super brain, we may not exactly need a mechanical artificial intelligence, or at least uh, it's about tapping into it. And that this is really, in the short term, especially remember when the, a, when the AGI appears and you know machine and humans are more or less on the same level, um, this is where we can probably live a happy life in the foreseeable future because we can, uh, we can really leverage off uh, artificial intelligence without really fooling ourselves and, and still remaining competent. So that's the first thing. I think we need to change our mindset. The second part, I think, is the second piece of advice that I'd give you is to um, focus everything on, um, on, on work and jobs or efforts that need a human connection, need an emotional connection. So because the reality is, and I feel sorry for all those people getting MBAs and things like that, because I mean, executive level uh, jobs are increasingly going to be better done by machines. They're less emotional. Uh, they, they, can, they can work more. They can get more done. Uh, research, uh, things like that. A lot of people get really pissed off at me when I say this, but I mean, uh, lawyers, research, things like that, you know, they are very clear candidates for being automated by AI. Uh, because just, it's... You know, it's nonstop work. It's more diligent. It's 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 fast. Uh, and what I what I think what the AI still has a problem with is is with the human connection. So, and that's where we're very good at. We we have about three hundred million years of experience with human connection. And so I think so. Um, basically, if you want to um, sort of protect yourself against uh, to, to to excel in the world of AGI, you know, it's pretty obvious that it will make sense to um, you know, get more involved in the parts which have that human connection. So in other words, to enjoy a promising career, you will either be facing customers or you will be pretty much out of the, out of the picture. Uh, and so you know, I mean, the, the great thing also that I think once we're gonna have these billions of people, that's it, we have these six billion people online, the individual customer experience is gonna be increasingly important because it's not it's not like you have to do business with all of them but just just a tiny fraction of that online population if, if you can connect with a tiny fraction of the online population you can build a great business 
And the only way to manage that is to really focus on that human connection. And I also personally, I think it's the biggest employment opportunity in the next few decades is where uh, it's customer facing individual attention. This is really what I think this is all about. So if you're smart about your future, you're going to need to figure out how to harness artificial intelligence for most of the things that are not directly consumer facing, customer facing, and focus on proving amazing human experience with those who are meant to serve. So those are the two uh, initial pieces of advice that I have that I've been thinking about. This work is not finished. Um, This work is to be continued because, uh, again, this is a space that is not only fairly, I've only recently started thinking deeply about this, but it's also evolving at such a pace. And there's so many voices that I that I still have to go and listen to and see experts, uh, what, what they think about it. So this journey has only really begun. If you're interested in, you can, you can get the report on my website, bd-insider.com. Feel free to sign up for it there. Uh, and if you do, then I can also keep you updated with... Um, you know, more of research and insights that I find about this topic. So I'm going to leave it at that. I think we've been rambling on for some time. I know this podcast is supposed to be short, but I really wanted to get this one out to you. All right, that's all for now. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you enjoyed it and it gave you something to think about. I would really appreciate if you could find a time to leave an honest rating on either iTunes or SoundCloud about this podcast. It really works because it helps me grow an audience uh, and get this message out to people who can benefit from it. Also, if you'd like to have more of this, more insights, more ideas, feel free to go to my website, which is bdinsider.com. That is bd-insider.com. And you can sign up for my newsletter there. I share a lot more ideas with you on there, and it's a great way for us to keep in touch. All right. Thanks again, and until very soon.